Welcome to All Over the Map, where we discuss anything and everything in the world of sports media. I am your host, Ali Musa. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of All Over the Map. It is a pleasure to have you on board. And thank you so much for all of the feedback that you have sent. You can always drop me a line at A as in Alpha, T as in The, O as in Over, M as in Map, Podcast 819 at gmail.com. That is A as in Alpha, T as in The, O as in over, M as in map, podcast 819 at gmail.com. We will have guests from the sports media side, as our name suggests. It's all over the map, where we discuss anything and everything in the world of sports media and beyond. The beyond piece, we will have some authors on, some fans' perspectives we will have, perhaps even some former broadcasters. Let me know what you want to hear. We have a great show lined up for you this week. We have Mike Farwell, who will be coming into the studio to talk about his experience covering the Ontario Hockey League. But first, we will take a commercial break. Be back with Mike. Stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Are you looking for the best flavors of ice cream sandwiches in town at a reasonable price? Ali's Ice Cream Extravaganza has you covered with flavors you will not find anywhere else, like chocolate with pineapple mixed and caramel drizzle, just to name a few. And best of all, they are only five cents each and we will beat the competition. Visit us at aliscreamextravaganza.com. I am Ali Musa. Today, I am joined by Mike Farwell. Mike is the play-by-play voice for the Kitchener Rangers of the Ontario Hockey League. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Ali, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got your start covering the the OHL. <laughs> well, I have to be honest with you because I think it's been long enough that they can't take it away from me at this point. A long time ago, Rogers TV in Guelph was holding an open casting call for a new daytime talk show that they were starting which would have turned into, which did turn into uh, daytime, which was on for about 20 years. And the delightful Susan Cook Shear was a part of it, I think from day one, but she was one of the main hosts from the very beginning. And I had just returned to this part of Ontario where I grew up from, let me see, I had been to British Columbia, Thunder Bay, and I even worked in Toronto for a bit by the time this opportunity rolled around. 
and I was anxious for something near to my home in Kitchener, some broadcasting work in the area where I grew up. So like I said, there was this open casting call. It was posted in the newspaper for this daytime talk show on Rogers TV in Guelph. And so I made up my resume and I printed it off and I went to Stone Road Mall where they were going to be hosting these open auditions. And I waited in line with all of these other people. And I got up to the table and I handed my resume to the young woman on the other side. Her name was Lisa. I remember it so well because she had been at the same college I was at, but a couple of years ahead of me. So I gave her my resume and was waiting for my chance to do a screen test because they were going to record them live right there in the shopping mall. And she took one look at it and said, oh, you've done sports before. And if I'm being perfectly honest, Ali, I had done some sports, but very, very little. When I worked in Salmon Arm, British Columbia, in radio, my first full-time job, I did cover the Sycamus Eagles of the Kootenai International Junior Hockey League. And, and by cover them, I mean I went to one or two games to report for the radio station, and that was it. But I had included that on my resume. And when she saw that, she said, oh, you do sports? I said, yeah, of course I do sports. She said, we need a sports guy at the TV station. So I'm going to give you the number of our sports producer. And if he doesn't call you tomorrow, you call him later this week and talk to him about what we need. I said, okay. And then I left. I never had to do a screen test. I never did audition for this daytime talk show. And just like she said, the sports producer called me. His name was Chris Schooley. He called me the very next day. And either that weekend or the weekend after, I ended up on the sidelines at a football game at Wilfrid Laurier University broadcasting sports for Rogers TV. And it was the first time I'd ever been on TV. It was the first time I'd ever broadcast a football game. And the rest, as they say, was history. So I'm being honest now in saying that I might have exaggerated my experience just a wee bit back in the beginning, but it worked out in my favor. And I had a great opportunity with a great producer like Chris Schooley to learn more about sports broadcasting and eventually from varsity sports covering football and basketball and volleyball, et cetera. They moved me into their OHL broadcasts with the Guelph Storm and I went on from there. That is a very, very incredible <laughs> career covering the OHL and how you got your start covering the OHL. Yeah, there was a little bit of smoke and mirrors involved in the beginning, but I'm thrilled with the way it's worked out. And uh, and here we are more than 20 years later still doing it. Awesome. What is it like covering the league? I love it. I'm at a point now, you know, when I started out, and I think it's the same for most of us, our perspective is shaped by what we see on TV in terms of the National Hockey League and Hockey Night in Canada. And I know that when I was a kid, that was my dream. I wanted to be the next Bob Cole on CBC Hockey Night in Canada doing games from Maple Leaf Gardens or now Scotiabank Arena on Saturday nights for the CBC. But this was a place for me to start. 
And then once I got into it, I just absolutely fell in love with the game. I fell in love with watching the players compete at this level, knowing that they were competing at this level to try to get to the next level. And now I, I pay far less attention to the National Hockey League than I ever have because I'm completely immersed in the Ontario Hockey League. And I absolutely love it. It's very high level hockey. The fans are passionate. Uh, the rinks are quirky and charming and it's just a great league all around. It's interesting where the perspective kind of comes from because when you have that that dream of broadcasting in the NHL and then you get your start covering a league like the OHL which ha- which which is which is kind of a professional league of its own where you it's very interesting where that becomes. Yeah, the Ontario Hockey League is a very professionally run league, without question. I was about to call it a professional league, and that's a whole separate debate because we know that there has been a movement and there remains a movement to treat these players as professionals and have them paid, etc. Like I said, that's a separate conversation, I think, but in brief, I think they get paid well by their school uh, scholarship packages that they earn by going through the Ontario Hockey League, et cetera. So nonetheless, it's a very professionally run league. You could probably get away with calling it a professional league, by the way. It's marketed. Uh, there's money being made. Franchises are selling for more than $10 million. So it's not exactly inexpensive to be a part of the ownership group, et cetera. That is interesting. So they they are paid by the school, like so they're paid by their school. Is that no? It's it it's not paid by the school. The team that drafts them when they sign uh, a standard player agreement in the Ontario Hockey League, the team that signs them to a contract then will provide them schooling at a post secondary institution in Canada, so they can play in the Ontario Hockey League until they're. 20 years old and then they have 18 months after leaving the Ontario Hockey League to begin their post-secondary education and that three or four years would be paid for by the Ontario Hockey League team that is, no that that is interesting that that's great for the for the young guys uh competing I think it is too and then while they are playing they get a a $50 or a $100 a week. I don't even know what it's at now, but they get a, a token amount of money for spending money. It recently went up to cover, you know, gas expenses, cell phones, personal training to help them with their hockey, et cetera. But it's a very nominal amount of money. They live with a billet family when they're playing in whatever city they're playing in. So they get free room and board and then they play, they travel, they go to school while they're playing for the team. And then when they're the high school, that is. And then when they're done playing, they get the option of going to a university or a college of their choice. And the team that drafted them pays for it. Yeah, wonderful. Why does it not receive as much mainstream coverage as the National Hockey uh, at a National Hockey League level? I think it's just all economies of scale. Right. It, it does get I mean, the same people, the same networks that broadcast junior games are the networks that broadcast pro games. But there's just not the same uh, money 
in the league and it's not quite as glamorous if you will right when the professional leagues are playing in places like chicago and new york and boston and montreal the ontario hockey league is playing in places like owen sound and sarnia and sudbury and north bay and that's not to take away from any of those markets they're all fantastic i have a soft spot for some various reason for every single market in this league but the reality is there's only so much of the slice of the pie that the ontario hockey league carves out of the hockey market so the pros that's where all the money is that's where all the advertising revenue is and there's not a whole lot left over for the junior game once you go through that and it's also like in Perhaps it's also like a fan support, like 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 what receives coverage and what that sort of thing too. Right, and again, these teams, like even the the biggest markets, if you will, in the Ontario Hockey League, Kitchener and London and Ottawa and Windsor, they're drawing fan bases in the thousands as opposed to. Toronto and New York and Boston and Chicago drawing fan bases in the tens of thousands, right? Because they're bigger geographic areas, they're major metropolitan areas in Canada and the United States. And there's just a much larger fan base to draw from for the professional game, the game played at the highest level. Owen Sound has only so many, what's it, a community of 40,000 people, I think think forgive me i don't know off the top of my head it might be 50 but i don't think it's that high so when you've got a city of that size i mean you know they they have outdoor games in the national hockey league that draw as many people as are in the entire town of owen sound ontario so it's just it's just a different uh, it's the game played at a different level it's that's simple as that what is it like getting access to the players from both teams that are set to compete and what can be improved from the player's side to make it easier for them to be more willing and approachable with the media? You know, it's funny you ask that, Ali, because I was just talking with a buddy the other day about this very thing. And to the question of what's it like to have the access, I can tell you that the novelty wears off pretty quickly. When you start out, at least for me, it was the same for me in this industry, working at this level, as I assume it would be for somebody at the professional level. You feel like, you know, you're pretty special because you've got a backstage pass to whatever you want. You get to be outside the locker room, down in the tunnels, behind the scenes, doing all of this work. But really, it's you're just talking to people. So that novelty and any any glamour or special feeling associated with it wears off pretty quickly. From the player's standpoint, I think it's really valuable because if they have aspirations of moving on to a higher level of hockey and maybe playing professionally, any chance they get to interact with the media, to answer questions from the media is just going to help them in the future. And I like to think that we do actually play a role in the Ontario Hockey League in preparing these young men for the next step and being somebody who is friendly towards them and not looking to embarrass them or catch them in an aha moment so that they continue to trust those asking the questions at the next level and, and even at the next level. Most 
women and men that are there asking those questions are doing it for the same reason. We just want to learn about the players and let them share their stories with the fan base. That is a, that's a, that's a good point. And why, like, why is it though that fans tend to feel that the media does like, does not ask the right, like that does not ask the right questions. There is some level of that in the OHL too, depending on the market. Sure. I think the answer to that question is because everybody not doing the job thinks they'd be better at doing the job than the person who is doing the job. I think it's as simple as that. And in this day and age, when everybody has access to a computer to share their comments or their criticisms, that's what we deal with. And that's fine by me. I understand that's par for the course. What can be done to improve coverage to spread more awareness about the league and get fans paying attention whether it is uh through audio tv and online yeah it's it's a great question and i think if anybody had the perfect answer to it they would have already implemented the strategy and the league would be growing by leaps and bounds in fairness it has been growing and it's been growing quite well under the leadership of David Branch over the past 40 years or so. I think he's been a great commissioner for the league and he's done a lot to grow the game. Again, you have to remember the scale of what we're talking about here. And there are only so many people. I mean, let's just use again, because it's where I work in Kitchener, but in the greater Waterloo region area, you've got a 630,000 or so person fan base in toronto alone you've got a fan base of about three and a half million so you're five times the scale so you have to keep that in mind and i think there's only so big if you will that the ontario hockey league can get but i do think there is room to grow i think the league is doing a pretty good job right now with its digital strategy they've got some really talented people working behind the scenes to crank out content, which I think is great because you have to do that to keep fans interested and engaged. If I had my druthers, I would have somebody within the league offices working with the individual markets where the game is broadcast and helping those markets do the best broadcast that they possibly can. Because for the most part, the broadcasts are conducted by volunteers and volunteers are terrific but they also lack the same skill and experience as somebody professionally trained in broadcasting so if you could bring up the um, the quality of those broadcasts i think you're going to attract more eyes and ears to the broadcast and it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing but i do believe that if you did increase the quality in that coverage then you would increase the number of people paying attention to it. And of course, if you want to increase the quality of that coverage, you're going to have to invest in it, which means likely fewer volunteers and more paid personnel putting on those productions. And that, of course, would be something that the league would have to consider. What about if there was a like dedicated podcast or something regarding each team? What impact would that have on coverage? I think what you're starting to get into 
And it's a really interesting model to watch. So I would encourage you and anyone listening to pay attention to this. And that is the model that we're seeing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the Canadian Football League right now. They have basically taken control entirely of their broadcast rights. So while the games do appear on some traditional mainstream media outlets, generally speaking, the Thai Cats are creating all of their own content and super serving their fans. So again, if each Ontario Hockey League team in all 20 markets wanted to do a podcast just like this or have their own little online TV station like Leafs TV, so you'd have the Sarnia Sting TV and the the Oshawa Generals TV and the Kitchener Rangers TV, etc., you would need to have people dedicated to creating that content. And there would have to be a business case for it. So that's why I say just watch the Hamilton Tiger Cats and, and see if it catches on beyond just the Canadian Football League right now. There are some that say some of the smaller market NHL teams would benefit from such a model. Certainly the, the bigger market teams would never because they make oodles and oodles of money off selling their broadcast rights. They don't want to be in charge of selling their own commercials and creating their own content. They're more than happy to just collect the paycheck from the big networks that want to pay for their broadcast rights. But you might just start seeing more and more of that. And again, when it comes to the Ontario Hockey League, the individual market would have to determine that there's a business case for it because you have to pay to create that content. And if you're paying to create it, you want to return on that investment. So I don't think it's going to happen overnight. It might happen a decade or two down the road. It would be interesting. I don't think it's a terrible idea, but I don't think every market is ready for it just yet. Yeah, no, that that is interesting. In, that is an interesting uh, model and direction to do things. The Memorial Cup is covered on a national level, being a national tournament. Why does it receive more coverage and attention? compared to the Canadian Hockey League as a whole? Yeah, that, my friend, is the million-dollar question. Those of us who have been covering this league for any length of time like to kind of complain every Christmas when the World Junior Hockey uh, Championship rolls around and the best players from every team in the Canadian Hockey League get plucked out to go play for their home country. So we are broadcasting our games for our fans when the very best players have been pulled away to play for national teams. So we get a a watered down version of the league. And meantime, everybody's eyes are on this tournament at Christmas time for the world juniors. And yeah, in the springtime too, for the Memorial cup. And we wonder why it takes something like that to bring the fans out and they're so passionate about it. I mean, the fans are so passionate about particularly the world junior hockey championship, which I would put even a step above the Memorial cup, but I guess it's because there's some sort of competition for a championship that it gets people's attention. And the rest of the time though, we say, you know, I I'll never forget when an executive with the Brampton battalion now North Bay, but when they were in Brampton said to me, um, and that's when Brampton had, a really good team. Uh, Cody Hodgson was there and 
Wojtek Wolski and, and Matt Duchesne and a bunch of guys were on that team that year. And he said, it doesn't make sense to me that I can't get fans to come to these games in Brampton and watch Matt Duchesne play for 20 bucks when they're going to pay 170 bucks to watch him play in the National Hockey League next year. It's one of the great questions, Ali, that we've never been able to solve. But those of us who are passionate about the game at this level uh, ask that question all the time. Why does it take a special tournament to get you interested in this game? Because you can see these brilliant players. Connor McDavid played in this league, what, five, six years ago. And you could have seen him on any given night in any given city for 20 or $25. And nobody comes or fewer people come. He gets to the National Hockey League and people will pay hundreds of dollars to watch him play. It defies logic from where I'm sitting. So, like, it, it could be because uh, the, the fan base is definitely greater in the NHL. Perhaps that could that be that could probably be a reason, a factor as well. No question about it. And those NHL teams have huge marketing budgets, and they get all the coverage in every newspaper, on every radio station, in on every TV, in every market. I completely understand that. But just from a fan's perspective. And, and yes, you know, Connor McDavid at 17 is different than Connor McDavid at 24. He's just getting better and better all the time. Again, I totally get it. But if you're a fan and you want to watch the best hockey players, I'm here to tell you again that the hockey you get to see across the Canadian Hockey League is really high-level stuff. And these these players are sometimes months away, months away from skating in their first NHL game. So why wouldn't you come and see them in a smaller market for 20 or 25 or $30 and have a nice night out as opposed to waiting till the next season when they're in the National Hockey League and paying $200? It, it just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, no, well said. Um, there was an article written on sportsnet.ca and the Toronto Star and many other um, news outlets regarding Hockey Canada's plans to address systemic issues in junior hockey. For those that are that may not be aware, Hockey Canada has been under uh, intense scrutiny for sexual assault scandals that took place in 2018 and 2003. If it is not addressed before the start of the season, or if clear plans are not detailed, what impact will it have on the way the fans view media coverage for junior hockey? That's an interesting question. I don't know that it will have as big an impact on how fans view the media coverage as it has an impact on how the fans view the game, period. I think that the National Hockey League and its massive bottom line can absorb this a little bit better than junior hockey. And I would also say that junior hockey is still trying to recover from a year lost to COVID-19 when no Memorial Cup was played and, and most cities had very few some had zero games for an entire season. Certainly the Ontario Hockey League didn't have any games. That hurt the game at the minor pro level like the Ontario Hockey League. And fans certainly didn't start coming back in droves 
next year or the, the following year. Now, to your very serious, though, and important question about Hockey Canada, there is no doubt that there is a culture problem and it's a culture that needs to change. I'm encouraged that uh, the chair of the board of Hockey Canada recently stepped down. I still believe that the entire executive team of Hockey Canada needs to do the very same thing. This problem is not going to go away before the next season begins. In the Ontario Hockey League, for example, the Labor Day weekend is really the the kickoff of the preseason. So it's not going to disappear in the next three to four weeks. But Hockey Canada can take meaningful steps to show that it's serious about changing the culture of the game. And that's all that the teams under the Hockey Canada umbrella can really ask. It's going to have an impact. Some fans may never come back. Some fans may come back slowly. But this is all in Hockey Canada's hands right now. And and I hope that they continue moving in the right direction. The smallest step taken was the resignation of the chair of the board. Uh, More needs to happen. I think the entire front office needs to be cleared out. And then a whole new slate of people come in to demonstrate that Hockey Canada is serious about change. Yeah, that, that that came out on the weekend. That came out on Saturday there that he that the official announcement of him stepping down. Yeah. yeah. Is there something you would like to cover? Is there something you would like to share? Is there anything that you'd like to share that we did not talk about, that we did not cover here about covering the Ontario Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League? Uh, no, you've really given me the chance to just kind of open up and hopefully... Uh, translate to you the passion I have for the game at this level. I've loved every second of it. And even though my hopes and dreams early on were to use this as a step to the next level and begin broadcasting pro hockey games, I have absolutely no interest in doing that anymore. I, I'm in love uh, with the junior game. I, I love the feel of the game at this level. And I hope that Anybody listening will give it a chance in the city they live or the city nearest to them. You know, check out a game in Windsor or if you're stateside in Saginaw or Flint or Erie or up in Sault Ste. Marie or over in Kingston or Peterborough. Just go watch a game, take in the experience, you know, have a beer while you're there, take the kids, whatever it is. But I think you'll really enjoy junior hockey. It's it's a terrific game and there are some really terrific people in the game. Uh, still worth your time and money for sure. Well, yeah, no, that, that, um, well, enjoy the brand of the game. Absolutely. And how can people contact you? Oh my goodness. How can't they? Uh, <laughs> I'm a pretty easy guy to find in terms of an online presence, certainly around the uh, Ontario hockey league season, but I can be found easily on Twitter Um, at Farwell underscore OHL. And I'm launching a podcast of my own called the OHL Podcast, which has got uh, a little bit of content now. And it will be ramping up more and more with uh, the full official launch by the time the season starts in late September. So you can look up uh, the OHL Podcast on YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, anywhere you get your podcasts, you'll start uh, hearing and because of the YouTube channel, seeing the OHL podcast in the weeks ahead as well. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's a real pleasure, Ali. Thank you very much for asking me. 
Thank you so much for listening to All Over the Map. If you have any questions or feedback, you can email me at atompodcast819 at gmail.com. That is A as in Alpha, T as in The, O as in Over, M as in Map, Podcast 819 at gmail.com. You can also feel free to visit our website to learn more about upcoming episodes at https colon slash slash alleytechgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map. Once again, that is https colon slash slash ali techgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map. And it is not goodbye, it is until next time.